Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With a new podcast every day of the Premier League season, this is Football Social Daily. Hello, I'm Jim and this is Football Social Daily from Sports Social. It's the end of our very first full week with a new podcast every single day. We're going to be doing it right the way through the Premier League season. And today, well, it's not about the weekend's games. We're going to be looking ahead to those tomorrow morning on the podcast. We'll have a preview podcast up and ready by the time you wake up tomorrow, so hit subscribe now so you don't miss that. Instead, today's show, well, it's mostly about the transfer dealings that have been going on at the moment. There are two big names who look like they've tied up moves to the Premier League in the last 24 hours, and it's pretty big news for Liverpool and for Tottenham. But who has got the better deal there? We'll talk about that shortly. We're also going to look ahead to some of the deals that could still be completed before the end of the transfer window. Manchester United reportedly giving up on Jadon Sancho and looking elsewhere. West Ham continuing to chase a player who doesn't want to move to London from a club that doesn't want to sell him. And there's another piece of Brentford's impressive championship side from last season that could potentially be moving to the top flight soon. And our floodlight focus for today is Chelsea. We're going to be chatting to sports journalist, presenter and True Blue, Amy Christophers, a little bit later. To help me do all that, we've got Steve McNaughton and Niall McCord on the podcast. Morning, gentlemen. All right, guys. Good morning, Jim. So I mentioned two big deals that were going to be done over the last day or so, or have been done over the last day or so. I'm talking about Liverpool signing of £27 million Thiago from Bayern Munich and Gareth Bale's soon-to-be-completed move to Tottenham. I know you're going to be itching to talk about Thiago, Steve, but the headlines are all being stolen by Gareth Bale. So we're going to lead with that one. The Welshman reportedly is in London today. He's going to finalise his move to Spurs. You might have seen a photo going around on the internet of a golf tee-off time with Gareth Bale and Daniel Levy. So presumably they're going to hash out the last details of the deal onto the golf course. But it feels like this is actually happening, Niall, after a few months of speculation and everyone thinking it was just paper talk. It looks like Gareth Bale could be coming home. You know what Daniel Levy's going to say, don't you? He says, if you don't beat me by at least six holes, you're getting chopped your wages down. Simple as that. <laughs> um, no, in all fairness. Mulligan. Yeah, Mulligan, take a Mulligan. In all fairness, I think 
this is I mean this is business for Spurs that it was almost inevitable that when he left Real Madrid he was going to come back to Tottenham I mean even though we know he's had a tough time of it it's been turbulent for him in Madrid despite what he's achieved at Real Madrid I do think that you know that it was always going to happen that he was going to end up coming back to Spurs at some point of course he was supposed to go to China in the January window but Real Madrid Mm. pulled the plug on that at the last minute due to Injuries. I think Isco got an injury and then they decided to keep Bale. But this one, as you say, Jim, looks very, very close. And I think it's going to... Wasn't it to do with transfer fees as well? It was supposed to be like a free deal to Chelsea. And then suddenly they went, oh, no, hang on, we don't want... We don't so a free deal to China. And they said, actually, no, we want a transfer fee. That was kind of what derailed it in the first place. Well, let's not forget that last summer, Real Madrid spent a phenomenal amount of money and they don't appear to be doing that this summer. They spent a lot of money on, I think, Luka Jovic and they signed some other players as well, which I can't quite remember off the top of my head. But almost like what Chelsea have done this window, that's what Real Madrid did last summer. And I think that they were quite keen to possibly recoup some money in the January window from the money that they had spent the previous summer. Obviously, that's not the case this time around. Everyone knows that, you know, Bale's time uh, at Real Madrid is done. So I think this is a deal that, you know, it was always in the pipeline. Everyone's saying when Gareth Bale wants to leave Real Madrid that Spurs is the obvious fit. And I think all in all, with the rumours that Real Madrid are going to pay half of the wages and, um, you know, he's going to arrive at Tottenham on a loan deal, I think it's going to cost Spurs around 20 million euro for the season. Now, in a time where Tottenham do need something, I mean, if you look at the way they played against Everton, Jose Mourinho called them lazy. They do need a little bit of something, and I don't know where they're going to get it from. Maybe Bale can provide that. But in today's market, is €20 million for a season for Gareth Bale a mitigated risk? Is it a risk worth taking? And I think it is. I think even if you can get three quarters of a season out of Gareth Bale, purely because that's only the amount of games that I think he's going to be able to play, because that's why Real Madrid fans get so frustrated with him, because he plays two-thirds of the season, gets injured, and then gets a hissy fit on when he doesn't get back into the side straight away. So I I think that's going to be the key for Spurs. If they can keep him fit for a whole season... Then, um, then who knows where that, that he could take them for twenty million? I mean, nowadays twenty million is—it's not what it used to be. I mean, you look at the signings of Sebastian Allaire and Joel Linton last summer for Newcastle and West Ham, respectively, and they were up and around the forty to forty-five million pound mark. And um, those players have not had the desired impact whatsoever. So to pick up a four-time Champions League winner, proven world-class mm. star, even though he is past the thirty mark and he has got an injury record which isn't great. I do think it's a risk worth ta- worth taking for Spurs, and you know, commercially, in a time where finances are very tough and uh, and the commercial landscape is very difficult, even for football clubs, bringing in a world class superstar like Bale, much like Hamas Rodriguez at Everton, is going to increase Tottenham's global reach. They've got this Amazon documentary; it's going to increase shirt sales. Um, it's, it's I think it's a good move all round for Tottenham, and I think because it's twenty million and half the wages are being paid, I don't think that's a bigger risk as some people are making out it to be. In true Gareth Bale style, he is currently injured, I hear, as well, and won't be playing for a month. So it remains to be seen how much football they're going to get out of him during his time in Tottenham if the deal does indeed go ahead. Does it feel like a good deal to you, Steve? Niall talks about it being a mitigated risk, and it is a loan deal, so there's no transfer fee. It's half of the wages, albeit those wages are extraordinary. Does it feel like they? it's it's a risk worth taking for Tottenham? Oh, I think it probably is on balance. I think that he will increase the quality in in that starting eleven for Spurs because I think when he's fit, he will pretty much start the games that he can start. Um, I think he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet, and I think you know he brings 
He brings a different mentality to Tottenham. They've always had a soft centre Tottenham, haven't they? They've never really had that that steel about them to get get it done. And, mm. and I think he's he's a winner. Um, I don't think he's made the most of his opportunity in Madrid. Yes, he's been very successful and he's picked up lots of medals along the way and scored an absolutely fantastic over a kick uh, in the Champions League final. Um, but I just think that um, he's, he's better suited to London. I don't think he acclimatised himself with, with Madrid properly. I don't think he really embraced the culture. He certainly didn't attempt to learn the language while he was there, which which grates on me a little bit. Uh, you know, when players, you know, go and spend years or managers in a in a, a location and they just don't bother, you know, learning Spanish or they don't learn English. But I just think he'll feel better. I think he'll be more settled back in the UK. I think he'll be, you know, around familiar faces. I think he'll be he'll be the big boy in that dressing room, you know, he'll be the main man. And I think that um, you know, Spurs will probably build around him and Harry Kane, obviously. And um it'll be interesting to see how it pans out and it'll be interesting to see how Gareth reacts in the Premier League because it's a different league to what it was seven years ago. I think, you know, what Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp have brought to proceedings, it will be interesting to see how he reacts to that and how he copes with, with that as well because the games are, you know, certainly paid at a more f- frenetic pace and, you know, there's more press involved in it and it's going to be interesting. But like I say, I think for 20 million, I think you probably take the risk. We forget about the player sometimes, Niall, and how a move can affect them. We talk about how much their move will benefit the club. But here, there's a player that could well benefit from a change of scenery. There's no doubt, and I think it's unfair to label Gareth um, Bale's time in Real Madrid a flop because he scored over 100 goals. He's got, was it four Champions Leagues? It just isn't. No, he's done really well. But the last couple of seasons, it's certainly turned a little bit toxic for him and that fresh start going and playing for a manager who he has mutual respect with I think Gareth both called Jose Mourinho a serial winner so they clearly like each other they clearly get on it could be the new start that Bale needs yeah and Jose you don't forget he has certain impacts on these players some of the some of the bigger players you know that have ever graced the world stage at least in recent years have kind of flourished under Jose Mourinho. I mean, you look at some of the the English talent that Jose's coached, particularly at Chelsea in the early days. I think he turned Frank Lampard into a world-class midfielder, one of the best midfielders in the world. I mean, he had the potential, but when Jose rocked up at Stamford Bridge, that's when Chelsea kind of soared through the roof in terms of their potential. Um, As much as he's had his off-the-pitch problems, John Terry as well became a top-class defender under the tutelage of Jose Mourinho. And probably more recently, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who linked back up with Jose at Manchester United a couple years ago and even at the ripe old age of 36 37 whatever he was at the time was still banging in goals in the Premier League so I think Jose does have this impact on players but I think it's important to remember exactly why Real Madrid fans don't like Gareth Bale and it's partly from what I mentioned just there Steve also touched upon it the fact that he kind of went to the biggest club in the world and he didn't indulge himself in the culture and Real Madrid is all about kind of toeing the line and Gareth Bale hasn't done that. It's almost admirable in a way that he hasn't done that but not learning the language after living in a country for seven years um, is quite interesting. I mean, Sergio Aguero claims that he doesn't speak English but that's only because he speaks perfect English. That's only because he doesn't want to do interviews (laughs) which is fair enough. Um, But, you know, Gareth Bale, the problem that Real Madrid fans have with him is they were looking for years for an heir to Cristiano Ronaldo. They knew that Ronaldo was going to give 
give up Real Madrid for a different challenge. Obviously, that came a couple of seasons ago and he's now at Juventus. And they were looking to bail to be that tailor-made, that already crafted replacement for Cristiano Ronaldo. And that was never the case. And the reason that was never the case was because he's always injured. He is always injured. Gareth Bale will play two thirds of a season, as I said before, get injured, miss six months, miss important games. Then he'd get fit again and then he'd have a hissy, hissy fit at the manager because he's not getting straight back into the starting eleven. And I don't care who you are or how good you are. I mean, even Messi and Ronaldo, sometimes you have to kind of grit your teeth and bear it that even if you're fit and back to fitness, if you haven't played a game for six months, you're not going to get straight in the starting yeah. eleven. And I think Gareth Bale really couldn't get to grips around that. You look at his record and his performances and the goals and the important games and the magic moments he's come up with. He's probably sat there thinking, well, I'm fit again. Why aren't you starting me? And that was never the case. And I think he had a bit of a ruck with Zidane over that. And Zidane simply said, well, it's not how it works around here when I'm in charge, mate. And that's where kind of things have fallen off a cliff. And I think the Real Madrid fans have kind of got a bit annoyed with Bale not being fit all the time. And that's the kind of the, the way that, that things have soured there with Gareth Bale at Real Madrid. Now, will that happen in a Tottenham Hotspur shirt? I don't think it will. I don't think it will. So I think you're right, Jim. Fresh start for Spurs. Fresh start for Bale. Um, if things go wrong for him, you can't even call him a busted flush because 20 million quid is a risk worth taking, like mm. I say. So I think this is a good move for all parties. I really do. Slightly safer bet transfer-wise for your boys, Liverpool, Steve. Thiago, £27 million from Bayern Munich, one of the most exciting midfielders in the world. It seems like you've got an absolute treat there. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, we, we uh, Michael Edwards, who, who handles all, you know, the transfers and the ins and outs and the negotiations with the club, he's obviously done some kind of Jedi mind trick on the board of, of Bayern Munich because, <laughs> um, you know, it's actually, um, you know, 20 million and 5 million in add-ons, the deal, and... Um, it's five million. It's five wow. million a year for for four years, and then five million based on Liverpool winning the Champions League and and the Premier League, and that. so, you know, that the five million add-ons isn't set in stone, obviously. Um, but I just think to to pull a rabbit out of the hat like that is just incredible because Thiago Alcantara is is like you say, he is one of the best midfielders on the planet. And I think the quality that he will bring to Liverpool and the experience, and, and we talk about serial winners, you know, when we're talking about Jose and, and Gareth Bale, if you see Thiago's honours, you know, list, it's just phenomenal. Um, and I think that he, he'll bring some much needed quality to that Liverpool midfield because I think. You know, I've talked about it a lot in the past and I've said that, you know, from a Liverpool point of view, in goal, world-class, defensively, world-class, in attack, world-class, uh, midfield, decent class. Um, and I think that's, I'm not being too harsh when I say that about Liverpool. I think the system has put them in good stead for a few seasons now of, of going with Henderson, Fabinho and Wijnaldum. But Liverpool have struggled in games where, where teams... Certainly set up, to, you know, two banks of five and say try and play through us. Liverpool do tend to struggle with that, and I think Thiago, as as a playmaker or, or, or pass master, um, it has that ability to to unlock doors and and play that that incredible pass. Um, and I think he's a worthy recipient of of our favorite famous number six shirt that has recently been vacated by Day and Lovren. And um, I think that um, <laughs> it, he's, I'm just really excited. Yeah, I, I think so. I think that would have been a nice touch in the statue. Uh, <laughs> but I just think his his ability to press is incredible. I think he, his his creativity, his 
energy, his distribution, his defensive duties when he needs to do that just make this an absolute steal and a no-brainer. And and you know this is a lad who's had his injury problems as well. Let's be frank. But when I was looking at him, there seemed to be a lot of niggles that he picks up. I mean, I seen one that he was out for four days with a toe injury. I was like, you wouldn't even bother reporting that. You know what I mean? But um, he's just uh, <laughs> he stubbed his just, toe on the. He stubbed his toe and he, and he was out for four days with it. It's like well, you wouldn't even put that on a list. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I think it's a, a great signing for Liverpool. Um, he'll slot right in. Uh, I think. He will start the majority of games for Liverpool, and I think you know Liverpool will rotate, and I think that that means there might be a bit more bench time for Genie Wijnaldum, who, who apparently does want to stay at the club, and mm. um, I think you know he's going to start with Henderson, Fabinho, and, and Thiago, and certainly in the big games, I think, and I think it's a it's a great signing for Liverpool, but it's quite interesting because, like I've said previously, it doesn't really meet the FSG model of signing players because he's 29. But I think it's very much a signing for now, and it's something that Liverpool are, are really, really need. For me, they had to do something though, and we saw with Pochettino at Spurs the danger of having a squad that just becomes a little bit too settled and doesn't have other players to push them in other positions. And I think this kind of fixes that problem a little bit. And I'm glad they decided to keep Wijnaldum, or he's decided to stay, because I think if you'd shipped him out and got Thiago in, it just it kind of doesn't solve the problem that was there. It just kind of fixes one midfield problem, but then creates another. So I think it's a great move for Liverpool. I'm interested to see who leaves now, because Liverpool will want to balance those books. There isn't that transfer kitty to dip into, and there's already rumours about the likes of Ryan Brewster potentially leaving the club and going to Sheffield United, which will be an interesting transfer on both parts. So it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. Yeah, I think Ryan Brewster is. Um, they're looking at twenty million for him and a buyback clause inserted in the in the deal. And I think you know Jurgen has said to him that he can't promise him a lot of game time at the minute. And I think he doesn't want to. He, he's very good at doing that. He won't just hold on to someone for the sake of it. He'll say, you know, you need to go and play your football somewhere else because at the minute it's going to be difficult for you. I think there's a a real player in there, and I think. That that'll free up some funds, and I think that you know they they want to do some more business as well, which I think we'll come on to a bit later. But um, you know, Marco Gruwich will probably go. I think Harry Wilson will go, uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if Shakiri went as well. And I think that will probably kind of generate somewhere between fifty and sixty million. You know, selling those players, and and I think you know they'll Divock probably got a bit of a question mark over his head at the moment as well. Um, for me, I would sell Origi and keep Brewster. That that's what I'd do, and I'd have you know Brewster coming off the bench instead of Origi. But like I say, we're going to have to see what happens before the fifth of October. Needs game time, needs development time. Um, you did mention there is more to come from Liverpool in the transfer market, or certainly seems to be. That's what we're going to talk about next on Football Social Daily. Some of the transfer rumours that are doing the round as the window seems to be hotting up at the moment. News for Liverpool, news for. Arsenal and news for West Ham to be covered and we'll do it next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Twitter at the Sports Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. We were talking about Liverpool's transfer of Thiago just a moment ago. Well, they're not finished there. There seems to be a bit more business to be done, including, according to the Daily Mail today, a move for Ismaili Saar, who was one of Watford's best players 
last season in the team that got relegated. Seems to be available for around 36 million quid. He is only 22. Feels like a decent deal for a young player, this now. Yeah, I've seen him linked with Manchester United as well in recent days. And it's mm. just got Odi and Igalo all over it all over again do you know like when Manchester United left it late down late to the end of last transfer window looking for a striker and they ended up bringing in Igalo who in all fairness to Igalo there's no slight on him he was excellent for them um, but it feels like this could be a similar situation with the Jaden Sancho thing and I know he's linked with Liverpool in this particular instance by the Daily Mail but certainly it does feel like you know, when players perhaps or when sides perhaps don't get the players that they're after initially, that Saar could be a decent backup option. Um, 36 million. He didn't really have much of a chance. I mean, he, he started off, I think he, he was he was bright in patches for Watford last season, let's just say. But I mean, you could see the dismay on his face when Watford were relegated from the Premier League at the end of last season. He was sat down on the pitch. I remember the, the, the footage quite vividly, actually, because I think he was thinking to himself, I'm 22. I've moved to the Premier League to try and make a star of myself and, you know, kind of boost myself on the international scene. And I've been relegated from the Premier League at the first time of asking. So I think he will be absolutely chomping at the bit. He'll be hungry to try and prove himself again in the top flight. Now, Watford, um, they may be keen to raise a bit of funds, but I mean, that's a big loss for them to take. 36 million, presuming that he did go for more than that. Um, And he's still young. So I do think he's quite raw still. I do think he's got a little bit of learning to do. But yeah, I mean, Liverpool, Manchester United, I think it will be bigger clubs that are in for Ismail Assar, just purely because the potential is there. Um, and I think Watford, uh, as we've seen with Bournemouth, might be a bit of a feeding ground. Um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened to Norwich either, to be fair. But I think these relegated clubs could be a bit of a feeding ground for some of the bigger sides in the top flight to pick up some talent. And Ismail Assar is definitely one of those talents. £27 million he went to Watford for. It was an undisclosed fee, but thought to be around £27, £30 million. So it doesn't seem like too much of an ask to increase that to 36 given the current market how would he fit into a Liverpool lineup Steve because it feels like he'd play in a position where Liverpool currently have a wealth of options he'd fit in on the bench Jim to be quite frank um, <laughs> that's that's where it that's where he'd start um that's that's the reality of it like like I, I said earlier on you know is is Mel Assad is not going to start games for Liverpool at the minute but what he can do is is he can come on and replace one of the front three and um and try and make an impact that way i think at 22 he's got he's got bags of time in him and i think as Liverpool, he's got a very close relationship with Sadio Mane as well, um, you know, which is which is a real positive. And I think he will be he'll be nurtured to a point where he can start games for Liverpool. Um, you know, maybe if if you know Salah or or Mane, you know, do head off to pastures new. I think I mean I think you know I won't be surprised if this was Salah's last season at Liverpool. Um, but I think that they'll have one eye on the future with Saar and they'll think, you know, for 36 million quid, there's a player in here. When we mm. played them at, at Vicarage Road last season and, and got turned over 3-0, if you remember it, it was the end of our run. Um, you know, we were trying to go for this uh, Invincibles record and, and the Watford spanked us. And he was unplayable on the day. He was absolutely fantastic. And there's a there's a player in there, but he's, he's won for 12, 18 months' time, I think, for Liverpool. And I think... They'll be aware of that, and I think that's why they'll be thinking we don't really want to pay more than thirty-six million quid for him. And I think Michael Edwards will, will probably just royally bend Watford over in terms of structuring the deal. And um, I think he'll, he'll probably come to Liverpool before the fifth of October. And I think it, it's a box tick that, and it, it is a bit of quality mm. that that you know to come off the bench really. And I think it's a very Jurgen Klopp 
signing as well. It's the type of player that he goes for. And um, and it's a player that's got two or three more levels in him. So watch this space. Arsenal are a team that seems to have a bit of money to spend this window. They've clearly found some under the mattress somewhere. I was going to talk about this move. I've got it on my list. But now I look at it, it just seems really boring so we might touch on it quite quickly but <laughs> the Telegraph are reporting that Brentford's goalkeeper David Raya is a target for Arsenal 25 years old 10 million quid Brentford being picked apart it would seem at the moment they're a champions a championship challenging team there's not going to be much left of it by the end of this window but I mean it's a difficult one to get excited about but it's always also a strange one Niall because Raya is clearly coming in to be number two to Leno and at the same time, Arsenal have just let their number two go. The goalkeeper, Martinez, who I think is a really good goalkeeper, going for uh, 17 million quid, I think it was. He went to Aston Villa. It's difficult to get excited about, but it does show that Arsenal have got a bit to spend, I guess. Yeah, I think it shows that Mikel Arteta is getting the back in from the Arsenal hierarchy. I mean, the fact that they changed his job title recently from, I think, head coach to manager. Um, the fact that they have been prepared to kind of give a few more funds to the budget, even in these times, to kind of tie Aubameyang down to a new contract, um, uh, signing Gabriel. I think that they have really kind of been impressed by what Mikel Arteta has done in the 10 months since he's joined the club. So, you know, I, th I think that's commendable from the Arsenal board where I've slagged them off on this podcast before and said, listen, you can't, you can't just float through the Premier League because you're Arsenal Football Club and expect to sometimes finish in the top six. And I think last season proved that. They finished eighth and I think that was kind of the warning signs that even though there was plenty of green shoots of potential there from Mikel Arteta, they still finished eighth. And they still weren't good enough by an Arsenal standard. It was their lowest finish in the Premier League for 25 years last season. So I do think that, that you know issues do need to be addressed. Uh, the, the David Raya one's interesting. I think competition is healthy. And I think Mikel Arteta knows that better than anyone coming from a Manchester City background in terms of a coaching perspective. Of course, he was assistant to Pep for, for some years before arriving back at the Emirates. So I think he knows that even in the goalkeeping department that you need a bit of competition and Certainly, David Raya will provide that to Bernd Lehner, who is undoubtedly Arsenal's number one goalkeeper at this moment in time. Even though Martinez, who's now gone to Villa, had a really good end of the season, played well in the FA Cup, um, almost you know, staked a claim to secure a number one spot for this season at Arsenal. But I do think Bernd Lehner is well fancied by those at Arsenal. The interesting thing with this David Raya link, and I've seen a bit of Raya before because he played for Blackburn Rovers, and I, I saw a fair bit of Blackburn when they were in League One, the same as my team, Portsmouth, and he is a very good goalkeeper. Um, the thing is, is the interest comes from uh, Arsenal's goalkeeping coach, who actually arrived at the club under Arteta from Brentford earlier this season. So, I think that the fact that they've worked together before is where this link comes from. And I think the, the Arsenal goalkeeping coach, his name escapes me for the time being, but certainly they've worked together in West London before at Brentford. And I think this is where it, it's come in, where it's a recommendation from a goalkeeping coach who says, this guy, David Raya, he's had a good season. He's done well for Blackburn before. Um, and, you know, he could be a really good addition for us as a number two. And uh, I think this this is, is a sign. And as you say, goalkeepers, they're never really ones to get excited about. Uh, to get excited about but we've seen how important a good goalkeeper can be and how important competition can be and I think the reason Kepa Aretha Balaga has been so poor for Chelsea is not just because of that lingering price tag hovering over him because you know Alisson um, managed to deal with that quite comfortably and so did Edison but I think it's the lack of competition he's got 39 40 year old Willy Caballero and 
uh, Rob Green as his mm. backup goalkeepers when he first arrived at Chelsea. Um, you know, and if you look at Manchester City, they've got uh, Claudio Bravo, who you know didn't perform very well when he first arrived at City, but certainly is enough of a competition to um, Edison to kind of keep him on his toes. And then you've got the experience of Scott Carson. So I do think it's important that these goalkeepers do keep themselves fresh and keep competition healthy, because if they don't, then that is when complacency creeps in. And if there's one position you don't want to be complacent on the pitch, it's goalkeeper. It looks like Chelsea could be about to complete the signing of Mendy, by the way, to solve their goalkeeping issues. We won't talk about that now. We'll touch on that with Amy Christopher in our uh, Floodlight Focus feature a little bit later as we look at Chelsea. I want to talk about a deal now that's really frustrating me, and it is the deal to get James Tarkowski from Burnley to West Ham, which it's clear that this player does not want to come to West Ham. It's clear the club do not want to sell the player to West Ham. But still, West Ham are going back and back with different deals and higher deals. And this time, according to Sky Sports, they've just, instead of offering more money, they've restructured the deal, which I assume means they're paying more up front or they're paying less in add-ons or bonuses or whatever it is. But for me, Steve, it just feels like they're wasting time and they need to give up and... If they are serious about bringing in defensive reinforcements, just look elsewhere. Yeah, I think it's one of them where there's they've got to reluctantly accept that Burnley don't want to do business and the player isn't interested in going to West Ham. I think Burnley will look at West Ham as a competitor to them. I mean, I know they're not in terms of size of club and everything like that. West Ham are a considerably larger football club. But in terms of league positioning, they're probably battling for similar positions. And I think... Burnley will be of the opinion that they don't want to strengthen West Ham because it might have an impact across the season and points tally at the end of the season everything. Tarkowski's a good defender. He's not amazing, I don't think. I think he's a solid enough, dependable defender. But I think the fee is getting a little bit out of hand for him. Um, I think they've knocked back about 35 million quid now, haven't they, for him? And um, I think, you know, with West Ham's scouting network, you're quite right. They'll have, they should have other irons in the fire to go. We can actually go and get someone of the quality that we need and, you know, work with a, a club mm-hmm. that actually want to do business with us. And I think they just need to park it because I think, you know, going back and back and back and trying to beat the club into submission, um, I'd be surprised if Burnley yielded to that and, and, and did the deal. And I think, obviously, then you've got to try and convince a player who who isn't mad keen on it that the ambition is there and that he's going to be competing for trophies and that it is actually going to be a step up for him you know to go to West Ham and it's just I think they just need to park it now for everyone concerned I think you're right and I think you know there's um, there's other options they can go for and, and, and tighten that back line up and Obviously, I know the, the the ops on the market, isn't he, for the right price? And um, yeah, all a bit messy. <laughs> 50p. Yeah, uh, well, yeah, it's all a bit me- it's all a bit me- messy again from a West Ham point of view, isn't it? And um, they just need to 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 move on and and save save a bit of face, I think. Well, I think you're right. It's like why try and bring in a player who doesn't want to play for your football club? And West Ham have been here time and time again. Uh, and it was something that the board have promised we wouldn't be doing again, bringing in players that didn't want to be there on high wages because you never get the best kind of performances out of those players. So who would you look at, Niall? If you were David Golden Sullivan and you've got your checkbook open and you're willing to sanction bids of up to £10 to bring in a brand new defender, some defensive reinforcements, who are you going for? 
I'm going for a young lad called Matt Clark, who's at Derby County. And in fact, you could take a look at any of the Brighton centre-backs because they've got a host of them. And I know Graham Potter likes to play a certain system, sometimes using three of them in a single game in, in a defensive system by playing five at the back or three with wing-backs either side. But Matt Clark's currently on loan at Derby County from Brighton. So you look at them and, and where they've picked up their defenders from and how they've developed them. I think Ben White as well was on loan at Leeds last season. Look how well he's done and he's now earned himself mm-hmm. a new contract at Brighton. Um, Adam Webster, who they picked up from Ipswich in the Championship, who's developed under Graham Potter and is now a regular in the first team. You've got Lewis Dunk. You've got Duffy, who's now left the club, obviously, to go to Celtic. So um, that's slightly different situation there. Uh, Dan Byrne, who's an absolute giant of a defender, six foot seven, six foot eight massive massive defender who spent time down there in the championship with Wigan really earning his chips and grafting down there I don't think West Ham could go too wrong with a player like that I really don't because they're coached the right way at Brighton playing the ball on the ground I mean they demolished my side Portsmouth last night in the Carabao Cup 4-0 so I'm a bit annoyed about that to say the least but still you have to respect that was their second or third string side that they put out against Pompey um we put pretty much a full strength side for League One and they they took us apart um not that Pompey were bad, it was just the quality of football that Brighton showed were very good. So, I mean, surely, I mean, you look at Tariq Lamptey as well, who's come in from Chelsea in January and he's kind of come in and they've they've got an eye for a good player at Brighton. And I, I think West Ham should be looking at Brighton um, as a way to kind of uh, develop talent and, and, and scout talent. But we've mentioned West Ham's scouting network is not up to scratch. We've mentioned that before and that could be a huge issue in signing players. And I think the problem is West Ham trying to sign Tarkovsky He's Burnley's probably most important player. He probably is. I mean, you could argue, and I think George from the No Nay Never podcast, who we spoke to about Burnley yesterday on the show, he mentioned quite interestingly that, you know, Tarkovsky's worth as much to Burnley as Harry Maguire was to Leicester. Now, Leicester managed to land quite nicely on Chagla Soyuncu and replace Maguire well, but we know that Burnley have one of the smallest squads in the Premier League. We know that their transfer policy is pretty much revolving around picking up free transfers. And Sean Dyche has said that Burnley are not in the selling business unless you're given a staggering amount of money for their players. And it looks like West Ham are still going to go ahead with this, even though Burnley have kind of said, don't sign our players because we're not going to sell them to you unless it's an extortionate amount of money. And unfortunately for Tarkovsky then, if he does go for, let's say, 40 million, everyone's going to go, bloody hell, 40 million for Tarkovsky. And then when he has a couple of bad games, people will say, well, he's not good enough for the team. Um, get him out of West Ham. And that's unfortunate because the price tag nowadays comes with such weight. Uh, it's such a burden for players um, that if they don't perform, I mean, like Kai Havertz, uh, for Chelsea on his debut on Monday, uh, tried to pass the ball out to the left flank and ended up hoofing it straight out of play, which is a clip that's been going around on social media all week. And loads of people saying, oh, he's a, he's a fraud. Kai Havertz is a fraud. What a waste of £72 million. The guy's played like an football hour Twitter. of... Yeah, he's played an hour of Premier League football <laughs> and he's made a mistake. Like, Chelsea won the game 3-1. Get over it. Like, players make mistakes. But if he had cost them £15 million, I don't think anyone would have even clipped that up. They would have gone, oh, that was a bit rubbish. But because of the price tag that he cost Chelsea, I think that's really kind of influenced people's thinking nowadays, particularly, like you say, in the social media landscape. So for me, my pick would be someone from Brighton. I'm going with Matt Clark. I thought this season would be the season that he would get an opportunity. He won Derby's Player of the Season last year. That's his third Player of the Season trophy in a row. Still can't get into the Brighton team. Definitely one for the future. Left-footed centre-half as well, which are hard to come by. Elegant with the ball. Likes a goal from a corner. Um, I think he wouldn't do too badly at West Ham. There you go, Dave Moyes. Hope you're listening to the podcast. 
get your notebook out, make a note, go and get a bid in now. Right, that is it for the transfer chat, although we'll have some more transfer chat concerning West Ham in our next section of the podcast. It is our floodlight focus section. We're going to be talking Chelsea today with Amy Christophers, and we'll do that next on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Football Social Daily from Sport Social. Find us on Facebook. Search Sport Social. Welcome back to Football Social Daily and it's time for our Floodlight Focus feature where we take a look at one of the Premier League clubs every single day on the podcast. Today it is Chelsea and we've got Amy Christophers with us. Football journalist, presenter and obviously a Chelsea fan. Hello Amy. Hello Jim, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Now, from the outside looking in, Chelsea seem to have, it's a very Twitter term, won the transfer window. £200 million spent on new signings. Some really promising players in there as well. You must be pretty happy with how the squad looks at the moment going into the new season. Yeah, very, very happy. And uh, I don't think we're done yet, Jim. You know, there's still another two potential signings that we could do. Um, and it's looking very promising. And also, you know, we've spent 200 million, but we had money left over from Eden Hazard. Mm. And obviously then with the transfer ban, you know, we didn't spend any money during that time. So I think the business that we've done this window is just absolutely fantastic. And, you know, all praise has to go to Marina. She absolutely knows what she's doing. So I, just, I don't think she can be rivaled, really. You said there's more business still to be done. Mendy looks like it could be a done deal today. Who's going to replace Kepper, who has frankly been an absolute disaster for Chelsea who's the other bit of business you think that might come in before the end of the window so just on the Mendy thing obviously that has been ongoing and with Frank back in Kepa Monday night once you know he's coming out and he's actually back in Kepa you know that there's going to be another player coming in that's <laughs> ready to take his spot um literally the kiss of death uh it did make me laugh when frank was saying you know i'm not ruling out the possibility of perhaps bringing in somebody else but if they come in then they will be competing for kepper's place and i just thought well that's a done job Mm. isn't it mendy you know he's got an amazing record but it is still ongoing i think because um there's a lot of confusion with like ren are holding up this deal because basically yes it is a done deal but Ren are, I don't know, they're they're kind of like a kid in Argos at Christmas, going through the catalogue, they're pressing all of the different codes to see what's available, and like, yeah, we'll have that one, we'll have that one. Because the names that they've been throwing around, it just seems like they're going through the whole of the like roster at Chelsea. Like, oh, okay, but uh, we'll give you Mende, but who can we have? Mm. Giroud's name's been in the mix. Rudiger, they want to buy Rudiger. And then there's talk at the moment of Tomori going on loan to Ren, which I think would actually be a really decent thing for Chelsea because obviously then he's going to be playing and starting. I think that that could be the key deal for us. Mm. Um, I think the the total that Chelsea are looking to spend on him is 24 million euros. And then obviously they've just got to deal with all of these back bits that Ren are trying to chuck in and swap players and things. So personally, I think it would be good if they, if they took Tomori on loan and then we get Mende, but God knows when that deal is going to be all over because 
how long is a piece of string. But the other one, obviously Declan Rice has been in the mix for a little while now. His name's been mentioned. He knows a lot of the Chelsea youngsters. They were all in the academy together. So I think he would be a really good fit for Chelsea. But do we really, really need him? I think it's kind of one of those ones, if we get all of this business done, I think he'll be the last one to go in. He seems to be dividing fan bases a little bit, Declan Rice. And yeah. I think I mean, have you it, seen how much West Ham want for him? Yeah, well, 80 million quid. And 80 million. We got Havertz for 71 million. Yeah. So it's like, hmm, 80 million. I don't know. I mean, look, I like Declan Rice, but is he worth 80 million? I don't think so. I mean, as a West Ham fan, I'd be gutted to see him go. And I think he's just one of those players who glides through games completely untroubled and he can just control it from midfield. So even I think... I mean, yeah, we definitely, we would definitely benefit from having a defensive player in midfield. But, you know, I I just can't justify the 80 million and and, and I don't think that Chelsea can either. So I think it will all come down to the money side of it. If Declan Rice does sign for 80 million, if you get Mendy as well for... 25 whatever that ends up being that's 300 million pounds spent on new players in one transfer window does that put pressure on Frank Lampard because last season was a little bit of a free hit with the transfer ban and obviously he's a club legend but now having spent that money he kind of needs to be pushing for honours doesn't he definitely the pressure is going to be immense on Jody and Frank this season because yeah they have spent big so everybody's expecting them to get trophies you know Man City and Liverpool are still going to be up there pushing so realistically obviously I want us to win the title and I'm like yeah positivity but those top four spots it's it's going to be a really really interesting season so I think on Sunday when we play Liverpool that's when we're going to sort of see where things lie but Also, with Liverpool having that game at the start of the season, I almost feel like that takes a little bit of the pressure off because Mm. if it was after Christmas, then we'd be like, oh, the pressure's definitely on. But right now, I think, you know, start as we mean to go on. But, you know, we're, we're playing at home. But, I mean, there's no such thing as a home advantage at the moment when you haven't got any fans there. So... I don't no know. I've lost but... either between Klopp and Lampard. There's a little bit of tension between the two of them. <laughs> Lots of tension. Although, you know, it is the first game since the fallout on the touchline, but they're both professionals. It was a heat of the moment. You know, it does get to you. And I think it would have all been cleared up afterwards. It's football. You know, you don't take it on to the next match. They have to be professionals. And obviously, they're both going to come out in the press and be like, look, you know, we're absolutely fine, but. Deep down, is there still a little bit of animosity there between them? I guess we'll we'll have to see that play out on Sunday. But definitely all eyes and cameras will be will be on the touchline on Sunday for sure. I think after that game, that's really going to be a big tester for me because I'm one of the few people who are actually saying Chelsea have got a chance of the title in terms of the Football Social Daily team. Way back before they started making these transfers, I said they could genuinely push this season. And now they've added in this quality and this experience into that youthful core I think they're in with a really good shout they're going to be there or thereabouts on the outgoing part of Chelsea we saw Willian leaving in the summer he's gone to Arsenal did really well in his first game there now Willian's 
a strange one for me because he never seemed particularly loved by the Chelsea fans. But I always think thought he did a decent job for you. Do you think he's going to do well now he's across London? I, I always loved Twillian. In fact, he was one of my favourite players for quite some time. But yeah, I think maybe in the end, he's just... You know, wasn't feeling the love from the fans, perhaps. But I think he'll do really well at Arsenal. Obviously, you've got a massive squad now at Chelsea with all these players coming in. A lot of young players who could potentially be looking to move elsewhere. You've got players like Ross Barkley, who's unlikely to get much of an opportunity this season. Who do you think is going to be leaving before the transfer window closes? Oh, so there's a lot of talk at the moment about possible loans by Munich for Callum Hudson-Odoi. Mm. Giroud's also linked with Juventus, so there are quite a lot of outgoings. But I think a loan deal for Callum Hudson-Odoi to buy Munich, that would just be unreal for him. He's only 19, and to be out there playing with world-class players he's going to come back as one as well. And I think he plays best on the left, so if they could get him playing out on the left, then... He would just be unbelievable. And obviously then going on loan, then I think if he went out there and played for two seasons out in Germany, I think he would be unstoppable because that kid has got so much potential. It's unreal. Would there not be a risk that he'd play in Germany and then want to move out there as a permanent deal? We've seen how well young players like Jaden Sancho, for example, have developed when they've taken that step. Yeah, I mean, that's always the risk, isn't it? But you've got to take that. And then not only that, but then if he does become a world-class player for Bayern and then they do want to keep him, then, you know, we're going to get the money for it. So it's a win-win situation, really. But I would be gutted if we did lose him because, like I said, I think he's got amazing potential and I'd love to keep him at Chelsea. Before I let you go, Amy, it does seem like Chelsea's a positive place at the moment. Roman Abramovich seems re-engaged with the project. There's money to spend. Frank Lampard seems like a popular manager. What would be your minimum expectations for the club this season? Hmm. I mean, definitely top four. I'd say top three. I'd love us to win the FA Cup as well. Obviously, Champions League is a massive one as well. Like For me, I don't want to put any expectations on it at the moment I'm just hoping for the best because I feel like Frank has enough pressure on him at the moment I don't (laughs) want to add to it but yeah I'm just keeping everything positive and yeah just just wishing the best for them but I mean secretly I want us to win the title but (laughs) (laughs) I'm putting that out to the universe Amy, that great to chat to you. Uh, thanks for coming on and talking Chelsea with us. Where can people find more from you if they want to see more of your sports stuff? So I'm on Instagram and Twitter at that sports spice. Cheers, Amy. Thanks for coming on. Perfect. Thank you. And that is all we've got time for on today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget, if you want a preview ahead of the weekend's action, then you can find that on tomorrow morning's podcast. It will be out first thing. When you wake up, it will be waiting for you. I guarantee you. So click subscribe now. So you, Unless you wake up at like midnight or something like that, then it might not be there quite yet. So a caveat to that statement. But click subscribe and you'll never miss an episode on Football Social Daily. Steve, Niall, thank you very much, boys. Thanks, guys. Cheers, guys. And you can find more from Football Social and the Sports Social Network at our website, sports-social.co.uk. See you next time. Football Social Daily from Sports Social. Find us on Instagram at Sports Social Official.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.